0: We're so thankful for all that you've done for us. We're thankful to be here today to to live freely because of what you've done, Jesus. Father, we are thankful for your plan in this, for your care for us in this. We pray that our life um, reciprocates that back in the way that we live uh, because we know that um, being purchased with a price of your son's blood begs a response and so we pray that that would happen in our lives as we go about our weekly business this week we look forward to looking into your word today and we would pray that um, you'd help each one of us to listen intently to what you have for us because we know that your word will not come back void in our lives so we pray that you'd help us to hear from you now in christ's name amen and you can be seated
1: Well, we're a privileged people to be able to gather together this morning, aren't we? Amen. I'm so thankful for that. Um, we have a picture for you of a meal uh, that you can purchase from the old homestead for $150,000. You can have Thanksgiving for four. $150,000. That's what it was this last year. When I first read about this meal, it was $35,000 for four people. And they had all these special accoutrements that you could have and you got to have a front row seat at the Macy's Parade. Well, they've outdone themselves year after year after year. They keep selling out of this meal. This is a meal for four, $150,000. The cheapest meat that is found on that table is $550 a pound. a pound. They got stuff imported from every single continent that grows something. Cheese on the potatoes is $325 a pound. It comes from some strange place you would not recognize. Squash, covered by Caspian Sea caviar, that goes for $1,600 an ounce. They have a turkey that's on there, and I don't know if you can see it there. It looks, extra, it looks extra golden. That's because it's actually covered in gold flakes that are baked on there. Edible gold flaking that's cooked onto the turkey and baked into that weird stuffing. No, those are not hand grenades. <laughs> those are keys to two Maseratis baked into the stuffing of the turkey. A key for a Maserati. This is for people who don't feel like as of yet they have it all, all right? Can you imagine such a lavish meal? This is a meal year after year that they sell out of. They only do it for four different families each year. Every single year, all of the seats are purchased for people who want it all. What a lavish meal. We're going to uh, participate in the Lord's Supper this morning. And it's a meal that to the world does not cost the same. And yet the cost was far greater. It it costs more, it's more lavish, it speaks more to your significance than anything that you could purchase. This meal. We're going to walk through what uh, the expectations are of participation in this meal. But though it is so lavish and though it is So costly, and though it adds so much to your significance, it does not add to your carnality. In fact, what it adds to is simplicity. It speaks to simplicity. It's not only simple, it is available for all. And it speaks to your collective participation in something that is greater than you. Rather than taking a meal that tells everyone that you are the greatest, this is a meal you participate in to say that he is the greatest. Amen. And so we're going to pay attention to that this morning. Our intention is for all those this morning who believe, everyone who has put your faith in Christ this morning, we want you to participate in this meal. We find uh, the prescription for it here in 1 Corinthians chapter 11, and we're going to read verses 23 and following. Let's stand together as we read. The scripture says this, For I received from the Lord that which I also deliver to you, that the Lord Jesus, in the night in which he was betrayed, took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, This is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, he took the cup also after supper, saying, This cup in the new covenant is my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat the bread and drink the cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. Therefore, whoever eats of the bread or drinks of the cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner shall be guilty of the body and the blood of the Lord. Do you believe that that's true? You may be seated. Father, as we... Not only read about this, um, as we begin to reflect upon it, Father, I pray that you would help us also as we follow through, as we participate in this meal this morning collectively, as your body, as your family, I pray that you would help us to be mindful. Father, help us to be those who not only reflect this morning, but that the truth of what we're about to talk about is reflected in our life throughout the week, throughout the course of our activities. Help us to live as believers who are truly transformed and anticipate your return. We pray in Christ's name. Amen. In your notes, at the Last Supper, Jesus shared a meal with his disciples and then led them in an ancient observance of the Feast of Unleavened Bread or Passover. Jesus, the master teacher, used this opportunity to plant an important memory in his disciples that gathered in the upper room. Jesus shared this meal for their benefit and for ours. As Jesus raised the bread and the cup in thanksgiving, he added new significance to this ancient ritual. Luke 22 records that Jesus told his disciples to observe the Passover in remembrance of me. Jesus took an old symbol and filled it with new meaning. The meaning of Jesus' words and actions is rooted in his command to remember. As today's disciples... We observe the Lord's Supper in remembrance of Christ. Some congregations refer to this ordinance as the Memorial Supper to highlight the significance of Christ's atoning work on the cross and to call believers to remember His sacrificial death. Others call it communion, to highlight the believer's intimacy with Christ. Whatever we call this observance, we must remember it is a time to reflect and to have the fire of our faith stirred. We're going to... uh, participate in this this morning, as I've mentioned, but our intention is now to move uh, the Lord's Supper regularly to a Sunday morning or to a main service. Our our desire, first of all, is just practical as we have grown having that fourth service. um, It was so out of the normal rhythm for most people that we were not able to see many of you there. And we know that this is an important thing for the church to participate in but also it is our desire for you to participate. If you are a believer, you are called to follow through in the ordinances of baptism and the Lord's Supper. These are two things that are called, that help us, uh, that, that we are called to participate in, and they help us to be identified as a believer and to remember the Savior until he comes again, to remember what he did, to remember our place To remember who he is and who we are within the body. It's a time of important reflection. We wanted to make sure that that was a part, uh, that if you called yourself a Salem hider, there was nothing that we would do to get in the way of your participation in this moment. There is uh, an expectation with this, and we'll walk through these four points this morning. But if you participate in this meal, you are speaking to the fire of your faith. That you have faith, that you identify with believers, that you identify with the body of Christ, that you have repented before God of the activities in your life that do not speak of Him, and that you are looking forward to His return in an eternal place with Him. You are speaking all morning long as you take this of your faith. And so we start with that first point. We're going to walk through that picture of fire and having the Lord stoke the fire of our faith as we participate in this meal together, the bread and the cup. And I just want you to see these four things. What stokes the fire of our faith? It starts with faith. The Lord's Supper is a declaration of our personal faith. Verse 26 says, For as often as you eat the bread and drink the cup, you proclaim... It's not that you eat the bread, drink the cup, and the preacher proclaims or somebody else has proclaimed it or the Lord has proclaimed it. You, when you take this meal, are proclaiming, I believe these things. Amen? That's what you're doing. Spurgeon was so concerned about this that during the downgrade controversy, a controversy, by the way, that many people believe took his life, he was concerned that people were eating the bread and taking the cup in an unworthy manner that they were coming untaught and were unaware even whether or not they were saved. It concerned him and he wrote about it to the offense of many who said, just leave us alone. Jonathan Edwards, after 23 years in the exact same church, was so concerned about people taking the bread and the cup and making sure that they were believers that he actually said, I don't want to offend my church. I'm concerned that this might be offensive to them because we just let everybody come, whoever wants to come. So he took to Thursday nights. None of his people came to those messages. The entire community outside of his church came, and they heard him speak to the fact that this is a table for those who believe, who have put their faith in Christ. It's a declaration that you agree. Christ's atoning work was the only possible thing that could save you. His church at the time was so offended by that they ran him out. Twenty-three years of ministry to the greatest theologian that our country had produced. He was left or had to leave that pulpit because of what he preached about the Lord's table. Calvin actually confronted a group called the Libertines who abused all portions of Scripture. They wanted to have a share in everybody's family, and, and they were an unholy lot they had begun to uh, encroach on the church, and Calvin said, you can't come in here if you have these sins as a part of your life. Well, they came in with swords when they were having communion, because they knew that to take communion, to participate in the Lord's Supper, was to declare that you were a part of the body of Christ. And they came in with swords to say, we are going to participate in this with you. And Calvin stood in front of the Lord's table, and he said, please, Take the sword, put it right here. Kill me, but do not do this, and so offend your soul. Only come here if you've declared that you love the Lord. For as often as you eat the bread and drink the cup, you proclaim the Lord. The question this morning, have you put your faith in Christ? Today, if you participate in this meal, you are making a declaration. By your participation, you are saying, I believe. Now remember, there is no formal way that you have to sign up. Um, You are saved if you believe. Amen? If you have believed, you are saved. You don't have to sign a special paper. There's no special thing from the Sunday School Association that says, I saw them bow their knee, right? They answered Christ to all of the questions we gave them. (laughs) This is an important thing, if you have believed. But this is between you and the Lord. If you're a visitor here and you're just investigating Christ, please understand nobody is going to look at you uh, or look down on you for not participating in the meal. In fact, that would be a point of integrity. We ask you to watch and consider what it is that the people around you are declaring. But we do ask you to watch if you don't believe. Take this if you are a believer. The first thing you're declaring is your faith. But the second thing that you are declaring is your identity. The Lord's Supper reminds us that we are a part of a universal and historic body of Christ. You are recognizing that you are family. Uh, Shelley Hanson-Reed had a picture right here. Uh, this is written on her daughter's arm. It might just seem like another teenager writing on their arm when you see it on Facebook, but the actual reality was that there had been a bomb threat earlier that morning at the school, at her daughter's school. They checked in with the kids. Everybody was pretty freaked out. In fact, the guy had appeared on campus. There was a lockdown that was in that place. There was a great concern. All of the parents were up in arms when they came and they got their children. They took them home. They felt like the kids were settled. Until she is tucking her daughter into bed, and she rolled up the sleeves on her shirt, and she saw on there, basically, Mom, Dad, I love you. I love you, Mom and Dad. She asked her why she had written that. She said, because we didn't know what was going on. We were told that there was a bomb in the school and that somebody was present and that we might not get out. And I knew of those other kids who did not get to say anything to their parents. And so she wrote it on her arm in case she did not make it. Heartbreaking moment. As the culture is asking what's happening to the innocence of our kids, Her kids are signing up and saying, I want to make sure that I tell my family that I love them. That's significant, isn't it? And how heartbreaking that our children have to announce things that way. But do you know that when Christ died on the cross, if we were to take that same illustration and turn it over, that written on his arms, written on his feet, written through the pierced side, is that he loves us. And how sad would it be if we do not identify with that love, if we do not see that love and become touched the declaration of this meal is, surrounding that sacrifice, we, are, we begin to think about what it was that Christ did on our behalf. His body, His blood, participation in this. And we are saying, we identify with you. We are your family. It's a message written on His arms. Baptism and the Lord's Supper are both means to identify believers. And not just that you have identified with Christ but that you as a believer identify with his children. We are part of your family. That's what we're saying to the Lord. Taking this supper makes us part of the historic church, the historic family of God. Ever since Christ sat down with his men, this meal has been shared in some places weekly, some monthly, some quarterly, some once a year. But throughout history believers have shared this meal in an unbroken chain all the way until today and in every single generation it has always been about remembering Christ's sacrifice and about remembering our place as his family not saviors not people who could accomplish it only those who have submitted yielded to what Christ did and are cleansed we're part of the historic church But it doesn't just make you part of the historic church. It also makes you part of the worldwide church. Do you know that there are believers outside of this building? We should say amen to that, right? Aren't you thankful it ain't just us? I mean, look around. God has created a beautiful thing in the worldwide church. My dad, a short while ago, went to Africa. And while he was there, he had an opportunity to go to Darfur, This is him with a couple of men from the Maban tribe. Uh, When the Muslims had come down from the north 20 years prior to this picture, they had done uh, not only just ethnic cleansing, but they had also done religious cleansing. They wanted to get rid of every single Christian. And they're standing in front of a field where the declaration was made to all of the villages that were in that area. Anybody who is caught celebrating Christmas or Christ in any way, but it was Christmas time when this happened, anyone celebrating Christmas? Christmas will be killed here. And with tears in their eyes, they said many people died in that field. When the killing began, these were the two oldest of the the people. Uh, they were in their 60s at the time. They were able to run away from that location uh, into the, the hills, they and, and uh, some of their family members. But the majority of their villages, especially Uh, the men of age from about 20 to 50 years old, all of those, an entire generation had been killed. You may hear stories about the lost boys of Sudan. Uh, You hear about some of these ones that had no parents and are trying to figure out what it means to be a part of a tribe or a part of a family when they have no parents to invite them into their historic practices. 20 years later, they find themselves back in that very village. And a missionary is helping them medically, be able to stay alive, and a great group of people showed up there. And Jacob is telling my father right before uh, or right after this, as they participated in the Lord's Supper, they handed out the bread and they handed out the cup, and with tears in their eyes, weeping, unable to take it, they said, we haven't been able to do this in 20 years. Not enough food even to be able to feed themselves, much less participate in the Lord's Supper. But also imagine An entire generation with nobody, no elders, no leaders to say, This is what you do, and this tells you that you belong. So somebody comes and says, You're a part of the family. And weeping, these men, leaders on their own right, 20 years later, participate in the body and blood with tears. Feeling so connected to something that is so much bigger than them, so much bigger than even their problems. How slight are ours in comparison? They wept because they were a part of the historic and the worldwide church. They were part of the family of God. Today, when you take this meal, you are saying that I want to be identified with Him and with them. Not just identified as a follower of Jesus, but I'm identified as a part of the body of Christ. I'm part of the family of God. Your faith, your identity, but also we're declaring our repentance. The Lord's Supper reminds us to keep our lives pure. It says here, um, for as often as you eat it and drink the cup, you proclaim the Lord's death till he comes. Therefore, whoever eats the bread or drinks the cup in an unworthy manner, will be guilty of the body and the blood of the Lord. Verse 28 says, But a man must examine himself, and in so doing he he is to eat of the bread and drink of the cup. The examination that you are to take whenever you participate in the Lord's Supper is, first of all, am I in the faith? Remind yourself that you've made a declaration. But secondly, it's not just whether or not you are saved, it is also, am I faithful have I been faithful to what God would have me be about? What is it that's going on in my life? And what is it that I am proclaiming by taking this small piece of bread in the cup? I was amazed. Uh, over the last two weeks, this passage has come up more times than I can count. James chapter 4. It actually says in verse 1, What is the source of quarrels and conflicts among you? is not the source. Now now he words this in a unique way, basically saying you already know what the source of all your problems are. The source is your pleasures that wage war in your members. You have a strong desire for things that you don't have and it ticks you off. That's what he says. And he begins to develop a case for how we can submit all of that to the Lord. There's an interesting passage. He says, he gives a greater grace. Verse 7 Submit, therefore, to God. Resist the devil, and he'll flee from you. Draw near to God, and he'll draw near to you. Cleanse your hands. Purify your hearts, you double-minded. Be miserable and mourn and weep. Literally, allow that to happen. Let your laughter be turned into mourning and your joy into gloom. Humble yourselves in the presence of the Lord, and he will exalt you an interesting thing. Submit and humble. The words that bookend this passage are written differently than the rest. All of these are commands. Cleanse your hearts. Purify yourself. Make sure that you are not double-minded. All of these things are commands. You do this. You do, do, you do this. Except for the very first word, submit, and the very end, humble. Allow this to happen. Why is it written that way? Because he says, if you are going to get this right, you need to allow the Lord to humble you. You need to allow yourself to be submitted. It's not something you grab onto. Humility that we produce is not humility, right? If we say, man, I am the most humble person I know, (laughs) there's a problem in that sentence. But if we say, God has allowed me to be humble, he has humbled me. These are the things he's allowed in my life. These are the things that he has pointed out. And I'm going to do whatever I can. Now that he has humbled me and shown me what it is that's wrong in my life, I'm going to cleanse it. I'm going to get rid of it. I'm going to be faithful to set that aside when the Lord points it out. And then in that humility, when he points out and says, Hey, son, you're not everything you think you are. Clean it up. And then I submit I humble. I allow myself to be submitted. Why? Because our nature is to say, I got this, Lord. I did it. I submitted. I cleansed. I did. And we run off and we tell everyone how wonderful our plan for living our faith is. We're to submit. We're to repent of those things that get in the way and allow ourselves to be submitted to the living God. Today, you're saying, I don't just want to take away my penalty, Lord. I I want you to take my life. Not just my penalty, but my life. I submit to you, and I repent of those things that get in the way. And finally, we're speaking of eternity. The fire of our faith contains not just now and not just yesterday, but tomorrow. Amen? What we are promised is that we have the ability to live the abundant life day after day after day, and we look forward to his soon return and to an eternity with him because of those declarations. Spurgeon was sharing with a group of people on John 14 that talks about the fact that uh, Christ is speaking to his men, saying that if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you to myself. He said this to the group that was gathered around him. It says, he left us and yet we are not left orphans. He is our comfort and he is gone, but we are not comfortless. Our comfort is that he will come to us and this is consolation enough to sustain us through his prolonged absence. Jesus is already on his way. He says, I come quickly. He rides post haste towards us. He says, I will come and none will prevent his coming or put it back for even a quarter of an hour. He specially says, "I will come to you, and so he will. His coming, especially to you for his own people. This is meant to be their present comfort while they mourn for a bridegroom that does not yet appear. O oh Lord, we sigh for your return and your sweet smile. That's the anticipation of every single believer. Do you think that perhaps today Christ could return? In fact, in your heart, do you believe that he is coming soon? This is one of the greatest challenges, I believe, of the Lord's Supper. To truly sit and reflect in anticipation that he could be here, perhaps even today. That was the declaration, Maranatha, our Lord come. Do you believe in his soon return? Today, if you take the cup... You are saying that you are looking for his return and that you live for his return. Your lip and life will proclaim him. What I'm going to do right now is uh, I'm going to pray. AJ is going to come and sing. And as we sing, I want you to reflect. If you need to repent, if you need to at this moment, just say, Lord God, I believe. I put my faith in you. I want to participate in this meal as your child. As he comes and we sing, I want you to reflect. And then I'm going to come back up and we're going to take this meal together. There is uh, one cup that you will all receive. It's double stacked. I want you to notice that. It will have both the bread uh, and the, the juice uh, inside uh, that double cup. So you will take both of those. And then I'll just walk you through what we're going to participate in. Um, but right now I want you to reflect Uh, on this meal is god getting your best is the fire of your faith stoked are you on fire for him have you declared your faith do you know that you're part of the body of christ have you repented recently of those things that get in the way are you looking forward to his return reflect on those things as we sing and then we'll participate in this meal let's pray Father God, we come before you right now and we do ask that you would help us. Help us to be able to, in these moments, participate in this meal in a worthy manner. Throughout the ages, many have taken this. And we are so honored to be a part of a historic faith. Not one that we've made up. There's nothing that is recent about it. Father, this is going all the way back to the time of Christ, a memorial meal, a small token that we take. It does not save us, but it does add to our faith in the sense of its um, thoughtfulness, of its mindfulness. Give us the ability right now to reflect and to be filled with joy over what we get to participate in. We thank you for the gift of your son. We thank you that salvation is not up to us. and We thank you for the opportunity um, we have to live it out and to proclaim Him. And we ask now that You would guide us as we participate in this ordinance. We ask You to help us now in Christ's name. Amen.
0: Amen. How great the chasm that lay between us How high the mountains I could not climb in desperation I turned to heaven and spoke your name into the night and through the darkness your loving kindness saw through the shadow of my soul the work is finished the end is written Jesus Christ my name fathom such boundless grace
1: would get ready at this time. We're going to, uh, as I said, hand out a cup that will be stacked together. You'll take both of those at the beginning. Just take one apiece as we worship. We're going to uh, continue to worship as the men are handing out the elements. Um, take those. Uh, each one of you um, <coughs> and prepare your hearts as we sing. i The process, as it is laid out in Scripture, is to take the bread first and then the cup after we read the Scripture that announces it. 1 Corinthians 11:23 23 says, For I received from the Lord that which I also delivered to you, that the Lord Jesus, in the night in which he was betrayed, took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, This is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Scripture continues, and it says, in the same way he took the cup also after supper, saying, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. Scripture declares, For as often as you eat the bread and drink the cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. Father, we are so thankful that you have allowed us, a privileged people, to participate in this amazing opportunity. Thank you for this meal. Thank you for this remembrance that you set up so that we would be able to reflect not only what happened in the past so that our present could be changed, but also, Father, you have prepared us for tomorrow. You have called us to anticipate and to proclaim the Lord's death till he comes. Help us to live out what we say we believe, what we have collectively announced by taking this meal this morning. Father, help us to live every single day in light of what it is that Christ has accomplished. We praise you for this opportunity and ask you now to give us strength to live fully every day in light of it. We pray in Christ's name. Amen.